Welcome to the Renaissance Church Podcast. Our mission is to glorify God and to make disciples by bringing the gospel into all of life in all the earth. This is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church here in Richmond, Texas. And if you've not joined us in a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we would love to have you join us. You can find out more information at rin-church.org. And I pray that you are encouraged and edified by the proclamation of God's word today. So we started, and I said this last week, a new series on stewardship. And I thought, you know, as summer's winding down, let's do something light and refreshing, right? So let's talk about money. (laughs) And here's why. Um, Because of the record inflation, our family, probably a lot like your family, has felt the pinch, okay? The financial pinch, like dollars are just being stretched, right? Things are costing more probably everywhere you go right now, okay? And like all families, we have felt that. And I thought in this time where it feels like, hey, don't talk about money, this is probably the time when we absolutely need to talk about money because it impacts our lives. We're constantly making decisions around it. And it's so important for us to be discipled in the ways of Jesus and how to handle our money. Today, I want to talk about some traps Have you ever been trapped before? A few of you have actually. Have you been physically trapped by somebody? No? Okay. So I I was thinking about traps, and I I remember as a kid when you're swimming with other kids and you're, you know, horsing around and they hold you, you know, under the water just a little bit too long, and you know that feeling you get, that panic of like, oh my gosh, like like you just feel trapped, like that sort of feeling. Um, my wife, uh, whenever we were dating and breaking up and dating and all those dramatic, we'll, tell, we'll talk about that some other time, okay? She was in Korea over a summer, so it was like a, a month-long mission trip with six, seven other girls in an apartment in South Korea. And let's just say, girls, sometimes when you get all those girls together, It can happen to guys too, but girls, you know what I'm saying. It just got a little bit inside the house for a minute, okay? Is that that accurate, Casey? She's shaking her head, yes, okay? Just got a little bit tense inside the house, and our lead pastor said, maybe it'd be good for you guys to kind of separate for a little bit, take a day, like don't see each other, like get away. So I think what he had in mind was like, maybe go across the street, go down the, you know, around the block, go, you know. But my wife decides I'm going to go to the zoo, which is a bus ride to the subway and then a subway to another subway, right? And she goes on this long trip on, you know, to the zoo. She walks up to the, the, the counter to get a ticket to go in, and this couple sees an American, and they're like, what an opportunity to practice our English. So they come up, and they say, we'll buy your ticket for you. And she's like, whoa, well, thank you. 
they bought her ticket. And the zoo there is weird that you have like, um, is it a gondola or it's like a, you know, like a ski lift where you ride and you look down into all the animals. So it's sort of a weird way to do the zoo, right? But you ride through the zoo. And so she's waiting for the ski lift to come, right? And pick her up. And all of a sudden this couple gets on the lift with her. And the whole time when she's trying to get away from people and to have a little Casey time, they're practicing English on her, right? And so she's like, oh, okay, you know, she's being nice about it and all that. Finally, the, the lift lets them down and she's going to walk off back to the, you know, the subway where she knows where that is. And they say to her, let us buy you dinner. And she's like, great, sure, I'll be a nice American, sure, okay? And so... She starts walking towards the subway thinking, well, let's go to the subway. They go, no, 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 we have a car. She's like, okay. So she gets in the car with this strange couple that's been practicing their English on her this whole zoo trip. And she, they're talking to each other in Korean, and then they're talking to her in broken English, and she's trying to understand. And what she thinks they're saying is, ha ha, we kidnap you, nobody know. Like that's, you know, like we would say like that, oh, that wouldn't that be funny? Well, she starts to have the feeling inside of like, oh my gosh, where is this going? They take her to a restaurant and they, they pull up to the back of the restaurant and they walk in the back kitchen door, like on the mob movies, you know what I'm talking about? And she's like, oh my gosh, like what am I getting into? She walks in to the kitchen, they sit down, and in that culture, they, they make food for you and they present it to you because you're their guest. And so she's sitting there and they're making like lettuce wraps or something for her. And, and she's, uh, you know, sort of having this nervous, like, oh, get me out of here feeling. And all of a sudden, she sees across, across a six-lane road, bus number nine, and she knows bus number nine goes right in front of the apartment. Here's the thing. She didn't even know her address. So here she is in a weird restaurant with weird people. She doesn't know her address. She sees bus number nine. She gets up from the table, runs straight out the door, and gets on the bus. And they're running behind her like, oh, my gosh, what do you need? Oh, so it's, she escaped. She's alive today. She's here. And new policies were made at our church because of Casey going to the zoo, okay? It was, it was a thing. But you know that feeling when you just feel like trapped. You feel cornered. You, you feel the, the pressure rising, the, the anxiousness that starts to turn into that panicky feeling. And here's why I'm starting with this, is that throughout the scripture, the Bible tells us about some serious traps when it comes to our finances. And now, normally when I preach, I, I will take one main passage, and we're going to dive into that passage, we'll make sure we get everything out of it, right? And then we might look at some other things, but today I, I need to kind of take you on a journey. So if you're, if you're a Bible turner, get ready, okay? We're, we're going to go there. If you have an app on your phone, you can pull that out, but we're, we're going to land, if you're looking for the landing place in Philippians chapter 4, I want to talk to you about escaping the traps, escaping the traps, the, the first point that I want to look at is in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. And, and, and this is 
Paul talking to his protege, Timothy, a young man that he's disciple and he's trained and he's sent him out now to go and he's going to, um, you know, he's going to be ministering in these areas where they have been doing this mission work and he's going to be setting up elders in all these churches and he's giving him some instructions of how do you kind of govern what's happening here and he's talking to him about false doctrine and he's saying, look, you need to be on guard because what's going to happen is these false doctrines are going to create all kinds of problems and fights in the church and even among depraved and deprived minds who get this, think that godliness is a means to material gain, money. And here's what he says, verse six. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Verse seven, for we brought nothing into the world. We could take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, or your translation might say shelter, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation. Get this, a trap in many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Wow. He talks to him about the desire to be rich and that it's a trap. Here's the first trap. The trap of loving money. The trap of, lo- of loving money. In verse 9, he says those who want to be rich fall into temptation, right? This, this wanting, right? They're, they're literally, it's, it's like the, the picture of, if you've seen Jungle Book, and there's this big, you know, pit that he covers with leaves, right? And Mowgli's going to catch a tiger, right? And the tiger falls into the, the big pit. And that's the picture he's using. Look, if you are, if this is your intention, your will, your desires, like, I want to be rich, guess what's going to happen? You're going to walk walk into a trap. You're going to walk into a trap. And he talks about this love of money that is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, I know here in Houston, if you have a newer home, you probably had this beautiful like Bermuda grass that they laid out for you, right, in the perfect squares, and it was just so nice. And then all of a sudden, you get a big rainfall like we've had recently. Thank you, Jesus, right? And then all of a sudden, these other little things start to grow into it. And you find that there were roots already there. And then these things begin to grow up in your, these weeds. And here's what he's saying. is, look, this love of money, it's going to start to spring up all this nasty stuff in your life. It's a root of all kinds of evil. Now, here's what you need to understand. Money is amoral. Right? It's the love of of money, that's the problem. Money doesn't spend itself. It doesn't waste itself. It doesn't save itself. It, it's, it's just a thing, not a, not a bad thing, not a good thing. It's just a thing, thing. And what happens, it's how we use it that creates all the problems. We have a phrase, you probably use this phrase, that money changes people. You've heard that before, right? Someone comes into a big a big chunk of money, and all their old friends are like, he's so different now. She's so different. Money changes people. Guess what? Money doesn't change people. 
Money reveals hearts. It reveals hearts. Um, Larry Burkett, who has written extensively about finances, he says, money problems aren't typically the real problem. They're a symptom of a personal shortfall, specifically our character. Doug Parsons is a pastor. He wrote a sermon called Life Above Ordinary. And in the sermon, he talks about one of the richest and most powerful men in America. He owns a large company with thousands of employees. And he had heard about uh, a, a young man that was just stellar in their company. And he's watching this young man. This guy's talented. He has work ethic. And he tells his kind of like his inner circle of guys, like, look, this guy, like, keep an eye on him. Like, he's going to, he's going to blow us away. Like, this guy is fantastic. He's going to be a regional manager way before his time. And sure enough, right, this guy is, he's just doing a fantastic job. And so he decides, I'm going to fly down. I'm going to, I'm going to personally take him out to lunch and I'm going to give him the job. Right? So he's, he flies down to this location, he takes this guy out for, for lunch, and this young man, they're in like a cafeteria-style restaurant where you kind of pick what you want, right? And so we, they're going through the line, and he sees the young man take a, like a, a little thing of butter, that is, it's like a little extra fee, like 25 cents, 50 cents for butter. And he puts it under his roll and hides it so that the people that are ringing him up won't see it. And the owner of the company recognizes this. So they get their table, they chat, have lunch, never says anything about the promotion. He flies back to the headquarters and he says, I, I, I want you to fire him. And the reason why is that he knew if I give this guy all this control over this budget and he's going to hide things like that from that teller, what's he going to do to me? He realized what the scripture tells us is that money magnifies our character. It doesn't change our character, it magnifies it. And we have a warning here about the love of money. So let's just do a heart check where are you at right now with money. Do you love it? Is it your willful intention to get rich? Because here's what the trap does. Oh, you know, creates ruin, he says, destruction. Some wandered from the faith, and they've pierced themselves with many griefs. And Paul follows this to Timothy, and here's what he says, young man, my protege, flee these things. Run away as fast as you can, because it's a trap. So, the love of money. Now, that's the first trap. The second trap has to do with the stuff that money can buy. The second trap is this. It's the trap of materialism. Now, that word materialism, it, it can be used in multiple ways. And one way is that it's, it's kind of a, a, a worldview that says, you know, material things are all that matters, right? The natural world, what's observable, right? That's, that's all we can sort of know, and so that's all that matters, right? So that's one way, but the, the way that we talk about it here is a preoccupation with or stress upon material rather than intellectual or spiritual things. And this is the part that we have to be careful of as Americans, okay? 
It's a doctrine that the only or the highest values or objectives lie in material well-being and in the furtherance of material progress. Here's, here's how that sounds like for us as Americans. Well, if you make more money and you live in a better neighborhood, then guess what? There's going to be more moral people around you. It's going to be so much better for you. The, the answers that we tend to think of socially are, are monetary answers. And that's a trap. That's a trap. Did you know that morality does not have a zip code? It doesn't have a, a preferred neighborhood, but that every person is both glorious and marred by sin, made in the, made in the image of God, and broken in sin. It's a trap. I found this quote from Randy Alcorn, and here's what he says. God created us to love people and use things, but materialists love things and use people. He talks about an example. It's like, you know, marketing is not a bad thing. If you're a company that needs to sell a product, you need to market it. But how you market it matters because are you doing something in a way that harms another person, that misinforms them, that, that, that you know, it's, it's, a, it's an evil attempt just to make a dollar. Right? You're, you're exploiting something. You're using people just to make money. Here's what Jesus says. In Luke 12, 15, watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his, his what? His possessions, material things. And if I, I'm just imagining this, if I was there in the moment, I'm listening to Jesus talk about this, when he says watch out, I think there's sort of an exclamation point of like, watch out. This is a trap. It's a trap. That our life is not in the abundance of our stuff. Here's the thing about Jesus. Did you know that he talked about greed 10 times more than sexual sin? Really, 10 times more. Why? Because sexual sin is very obvious. But greed has a way of hiding in us. It was hiding in the Pharisees and the Sadducees that he's speaking to. And so he's talking about greed. And he says, look, this is a trap. In Colossians 3, 5, Paul says greed is idolatry. It's to hold something up as the prize that's not God. It's, it's to put something else in that place of value. In 1 John 2, this is a famous passage, and here's what he says about it. Do not love the world, or what? The things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away. But the one who does the will of God remains forever. That word love, by the way, is the word agape. 
It's, it's, way, it's the way that we describe the love of God to agape. It's, it's the highest form of love. It's, it's, all, it's like a self-sacrificing love. It's, it's to prize something so much that you're willing to sacrifice for it. We talk about God so loved the world that he gave, he agaped you and me that he would sacrifice himself. And he's, look, he says, look, there's people who are sacrificing themselves to get stuff. And it's a trap. The lust of the flesh, the desiring, the craving, the longing for what we don't have, right? The, the pleasures, the luxuries, it's the, the pride of life. It's, it's you know, I, I don't know if you've ever done this. Maybe I'm just a terrible sinner. But when you're driving and you're just noticing what kinds of cars are around you, right? And you're like, Oh, that, that car is interesting. And then, oh, that's, that's nice, right? And, and there's like internally, you're sort of making this sort of pecking order of things and people based on what you're seeing, material things that you're seeing in their life. It's so sneaky that, that we would elevate people or lower people based on or, or compare ourselves to them based on something like what kind of car they drive. It's craziness. It's a trap. And it's not of God. And here's the scariest part of this. He says, the love of the Father is not in him or her. Like, if this is the, the agape of your life, the prize of your life, the love of God is not in you. Wow. It's a trap. So we have the, the love of money, we have the love of stuff, and it's this love of stuff that leads us to the next trap. And this is the trap, oh gosh, we, we probably, we shouldn't even talk about it. It's the trap of debt. Oh man, gosh. Now here's the good news about debt. If you can't afford it, Visa can, right? Isn't that great? Man, I want to I do that. I want to go there. I want to buy that. I don't have the money for it. But guess what? Visa does. So here we go, right? And cha-ching, baby. We're, we're rolling. We're rocking because they've got all the money. Well, friends, let's just look at what the Bible says about this. Proverbs 6, 1, 3, and 5. Here's what he says. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor or entered into an agreement with a stranger, he's talking about a debt relationship. Look, if you have done this, go humble yourself and plead with your neighbor. Here's what he says. Escape like a gazelle from a hunter. Wow. Like a bird from a hunter's trap. He's like, look, this debt, whew, it's killer. Get out of it like, a, like, like an animal being hunted, right? You need to run away. Get out of the fowler's snare, right? He's saying this is a trap. Now, I, I just did a little bit of research on this, on debt in America, and it's, things are going really well, as you can imagine. No, I'm just kidding. Things are not going very well. Um, I, I have a, a graph. If, if you can go to that, that next slide. So this is sort of the household debt over time. So, the, and so con, this is consumer debt. Now, consumer debt is credit cards. It's car loans. It's, sometimes it includes uh, our uh, college loans, uh, our, our mortgages, right? So that's 
that's a big chunk. And if you just look at the progression of, of debt in America, so you can see like pre-1975, super, super low. Now this, this data, this ends at 2018. So our, our national combined household debt in America was $4.01 trillion. That's a lot of zeros. Okay, $4 trillion. That's a lot of money. Now, fast forward 2022, I read this article. This is a headline. If you go to the next slide, U.S. household debt tops $16 trillion. 2018, four. 2022, $16 trillion. Look at all the zeros on that. Wow. And here's the thing. Our money is worth less than ever, and we owe more than ever. We're in a trap. And I'll just say this. I'm not like an economist. I'm not that smart. That's not going to work for us as a country long term. Okay? It's not going to work. Jesus said, you, follower of Jesus, Disciple, you are salt and you are light. You're the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world. You preserve and you illuminate. Pastor Jimmy Seibert from from Antioch Church in Waco, he says this. He said, my kids hate it because I said all the time, you will never change the world by being like the world. You will never change the world by being like the world. We are salt and we are light and it's time for the people of God to begin to handle things differently so that we can shine light, we can preserve the world that we live in. It's time. This is serious. This is a serious matter. It is a trap. Um, in Proverbs 22, verse 7, it says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. It's a slave. Is anyone just wanting to be a slave? Right? Man, sounds great. Jim, what's your plan this weekend? I think I'm going to go enslave myself to someone. Yeah? No, right? Like no one thinks about that. But when you, when you make that purchase that you can't afford, guess what we're doing to ourselves? We're just enslaving ourselves. Romans 13, 8, Paul says this, don't owe anyone anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Your translation might say, let no debt remain outstanding except the debt to love one another. It's a trap. I remember um, years ago, I had one child, like some of you, a baby in a carrier. We had gone to a store in South Austin. We were, I think we we're at rooms to go looking for a piece of furniture. And we took that baby out of the out of the car and we're carrying him around on our arms like I see some of you guys doing with your arms. You get that like massive bicep when you're, when you're a young parent, right? It's awesome. And so we're walking around rooms to go and we're like, yeah, no, nothing here. We walk back outside of the truck. The truck's gone. I was like, ooh, who steals a truck with like a, a car seat attachment in it? Like that's, I feel like that's like a whole nother level of wrong, right? Like that's just terrible. If you've steal cars with the car seats in them, shame on you, right? That's just terrible. 
So here we are in the Texas heat, sitting outside of this store, and we have no car. And uh, of course, call the insurance company. They write me a check, and I go to the car dealership. You know, a week later, and there's a car on sale. And I'm calling my wife, like, oh, it's a nice truck, leather seats. The sound system is like, bang, you know, it's just like awesome, right? And it's discounted, like this is, wow. And I buy the truck and it was more than I had been given for my other truck. And the payments on that thing made me so sick to my stomach that within, I think maybe six months, I went and I sold it and I bought an old, er, still great, pickup truck because I was like, I do not want this in my life. It's a trap. It's a trap. And unfortunately, I felt like a big boy in that moment. Oh, look, look at the debt I just got into. This is the American dream, everyone. No, it's, it's the American nightmare. So friends, the traps, loving money, materialism, debt, it brings ruin and destruction, stress and anxiety, like being held under the water too long. It just creates this panic in our life. It, 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 we have the scary verses of being void of the Father's love. And the question is, how do we escape? And I just want to take just a quick minute. I just want to look at Paul's words in Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13. He's talking about uh, money because the church had given him a gift. And here's what he says in Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it. So they're, they're wanting to be generous to him. Verse 11, I don't say this out of need for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with little and I know how to make do with a lot. I, I, that's my favorite part of the verse, learning how to make do with a lot, right? Amen, Jesus. But sometimes, if we're honest, we spend way, 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 way more time in our life learning how to make do with a little. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, I love that verse because as some of y'all might remember in the 90s, this group called the Power Team. Have y'all have ever heard of the Power Team? Anyone ever heard of the Power Team? It's like evangelistic group that would go to high schools and they'd be like these ripped, buff, you know, Christian guys. And they would, they would take a phone book and they would rip a phone book in half. Now, some of you are like, what's a phone book? We'll talk later, okay? But it, it's... It's a big book, okay? And they would rip a phone book in half with their bare hands, and they would say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> the context of strength that he's talking about is what? I've learned the secret of being content when I'm starving because I, I don't have enough to eat. Or when I'm in abundance and I'm like, around for my friends. I've learned the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So how do we escape the trap? Here's the first thing, cultivating contentment. Cultivating contentment. I've learned the secret of being content. Content just means I'm satisfied. 
This is deep gospel work. This is when we, we let the truth of what Jesus has done for us and said about us change even how we handle and view and spend the money that he gives to us. Verse 11, he said, I've learned. I like that word. I've learned to be content, which means Paul didn't get saved and be like, I'm content now. No, he's a regular person just like us who had to learn it. He had to, he had to, he had to take these principles and put them down into his life and begin to work this out to where he was learning to be content. He's living this experience. And as the psalmist said in Psalm 63, 5, you satisfy me. You, God, satisfy me as with rich food. Or as Paul told Timothy, as we read earlier, that godliness with contentment is great gain. That, that word great is megas in the Greek, and it means mega profit. You want mega profit? Godliness with contentment. We have to cultivate it. And here's the secret. You're already rich. Let me say it again. You're already rich. Don't seek comfort in stuff because the comforter dwells in you. You're rich. You don't need to seek status because Jesus knows your name. You don't need to kill yourself making your own little heaven on earth because Jesus was killed to bring heaven to you. And through Christ... God loves you and he accepts you. What more do you really need? Seriously. If we have food and shelter, we'll be content with these. Why? Jesus knows my name. The spirit dwells in my heart. I've learned the secret of being content. Here's an exercise I'll give you. And this is just practical way that we can live this out. When you walk up to your car, don't look at the ding in the door. Just Block that out. Don't look in the passenger seat where the stain is, okay? Don't look at the floor mats that are all nasty, right? Just get behind the wheel and say, thank you, Jesus. I've got wheels. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, that I even have a car. I am so content in you, Jesus. Oh, that's a neat Bronco over there. I don't need it, Jesus. I have you. This is just a window into my soul, okay? This is what I do every week. Just say thank you. When the roof leaks or things break, say thank you, Jesus, I have a roof to leak. And I had, a, I had things to break, right? We just need to cultivate contentment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Second thing, we escape these traps by putting money in its place. This is key. Your worth isn't found in your net worth. I think you know that. God gave his son to purchase you. That's your worth. You, can't, you can make money, but money can't make you. Because your relationship with God is your foundation. It's the source. It's the fountain of your life. Money isn't your master. God is. And he equips you to master money. We don't serve money. We serve God. Money is a tool in our hand to serve God. 
Whatever he gives me, I'm going to steward it in such a way that I can use it for maximum output that I could invest into his kingdom work. A steward tells money where to go and when to go there and not the other way around. Put it in its place. We're going to cultivate contentment. We're going to put it in its place. And here's the third thing. We're going to live within our means, right? We escape the trap by living within our means. Paul said, I've learned how to make do. And this is what he's talking about. I've learned how to make do with whatever income I have at that moment. I'm going to figure out how to make do of it. And that's what stewards do. They're learning how to make do. Now, married couples, likely one of you is the gas and one of you is the brakes when it comes to spending. Amen? No? You're all gas, right? Both of you? No? If you're all gas, if you're both gas, you're like, let's go. Get some brakes, okay? If you're both brakes, you need a tool that will help you appropriately spend money where it needs to be spent. Here's what I recommend, okay? This is not thus saith the Lord. There's no verse that says, do this and you will live, okay? Here's my recommendation as a person like you, is that you make a simple budget for your family. There's tons of ways for you to do that. We, with our online banking, there's a, there's a new tool. Uh, our family uses Bank of America. They have a new tool for budgeting. So wait, I click a button, it imports everything, and I can see, where is this going? Why is it going there? And here's the goal. This is what saved our marriage very, very early on, is we were taught this, name every dollar. I'm going to tell every dollar what its name is. This one's name is groceries. This one's name is my, uh, my housing costs. This dollar is named fun. We're going to have some fun this month, okay? I've named that dollar fun. This dollar is named giving, okay? And all I'm doing is I'm naming every dollar so I know where to put it, where does it go, because if I don't, the dollar's going to run away somewhere. It's not the dollar's fault. It's my fault, right? So I want to encourage you. you it can be elaborate. Some of you are like financial, like, nerds, okay? And you're going to dive in. Some of you are like, that sounds like the most soul-killing, terrible thing in the world, okay? If that's you, just think about all the fun you're going to have on the other side when you know where every dollar goes, okay? Make a budget. It's the best way to guide our spending. It helps us pre-decide things, okay? This is so important, to pre-decide things. So um, let me end with this. I was on the soccer field with one of my son's soccer teams. I was talking to a grandfather. I noticed him bringing his grandson all the time. And so we were talking one day. And he was talking about what he does. And, you know, he drives this old beat-up truck. And he's like, yeah, we just live in this old house we've had for a long time. And he said this to me. He said, you know, I've noticed young people, they like to live large, but they have little pockets. They have small pockets. He said, my, my daddy taught me that if I will live small with big pockets, I'm going to have so much more peace in my life. And I, I just kind of hung on to that. I'm like, oh, that's so good. That's so helpful to live small so that you, you have room in your life and you're not stressed and anxious and panicking. We're escaping trap. Jason, you guys can come back up if you want. Let me just... Ask us some questions. 
How's your contentment level right now? Just honest with your heart. How's your contentment level? Does Jesus satisfy your soul? Like, let's start there. Is money putting you into your place, or are you putting money into its place? Who's controlling who? How are you learning to make do with what you have? Are you trusting in your credit card to make up the difference, or are you making a plan to work it out? And here's what I want you to remember. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me with little or a lot. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To support our work, you can like, share, subscribe, or you can donate at rind-church.org.